With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Screen Talk in New Hours Weekly Podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson. And Ann, we have circled back inevitably to Elvis because uh, that movie that uh, we saw, well, I saw it can, you saw a little before can and tried to forget is not a movie that you can forget too easily for a lot of reasons. One of which was that it drilled itself into my brain with every uh, unnerving cut for three hours straight, but also because it's opening in theaters as the big movie that's opening. It's an actual studio movie, this Baz Luhrmann epic that I feel like in some ways I want to celebrate because it's so avant-garde, but it, it's, it, it just didn't work for me. Is and, avant-garde and I know the word? That, I, I would not use that other uh, word. The he, way that it's assembled is pretty out there. All right. So the first hour, I want to say that the first hour is so great. It's great cinema. It's great music. And that's the thing. This is Lerman and music, the same combo that that you had with Moulin Rouge. And and he really does devote himself with the help of Austin Butler, who's fantastic, to uh, the Elvis ethos. And it's really about the music that I think. How many songs do we hear from start to finish? That's he doesn't okay. let us have that. That's what frustrated There's me. There's so much in there. It's so dense. It's so that's part of what's so amazing about that. When he had that time off during the pandemic, Lerman rewrote the first hour. And that's part of why it's so great, because he's layering and throwing all these different things onto the screen and coming up with ways to to condense the material. It's it's in the second half, unfortunately. And, and it's also clear to me even if the people at Warner Brothers were convinced that having Colonel Tom Parker narrate the Tom Hanks character under, you know, wads of makeup and everything and a Dutch accent, um, you know, <laughs> the Svengali, the, the Rasputin, whatever, whatever you want to call him. If if you buy that he being the sort of villain narrator of the piece somehow renders Elvis more sympathetic, which is what they thought they were doing. I still think that structure, that that story, he could have been in it without being the t- person who tells the story. And, and you can tell from the way they edited it that they're pulling back on Tom Hanks, so that, that on some level they know that less is more with him. Well, Lerman did say there is a four hour cut of this movie that exists and you can feel it because it's a movie that could have been put together in so many different ways. It's certainly not done in a conventional way. It's designed in, in a, to a certain extent to play off of your existing understanding of Elvis as an icon. And uh, I found myself wanting to get some of those details. I mean, I'm not a diehard Elvis person, and I didn't feel like I needed to read his Wikipedia beforehand in order to understand everything that was going on. 
but I also, I don't know. I mean, I, look, the Austin Button Butler performance is so good. I just yep. wanted more. I, wanted I hope that see. gets people to go. I want people to support this movie because it's great cinema, even if it's not perfect, even if it's flawed. It's outrageous and risk-taking, and it's Lerman. It's him. This is no one else would have ever made this thing, but there's no guarantees that it's going to play or that it's going to open or that the reviews are going to be good. Our own must-read David Ehrlich can review is an example. Yeah, he really tried. You know, it. he trashed it, but he trashed it so entertainingly that I almost would argue that he makes you want to see it, you know? Yeah, but um, I mean, that's not a commercial case. <laughs> I mean, going back to what we, we had talked about it before with like David Zaslav being in the audience for this movie at Cannes, it does make you wonder, like, how do studio executives see the viability of these kinds of projects? Like, this is not like every awkward project. Not everybody is Baz Luhrmann. And there are other Baz Luhrmann movies like Gatsby or something that you could argue just are probably easier sells. I mean, this well, they one... had Leonardo DiCaprio. But, yeah. but here's here's the question here is is you're you're you've got an icon to sell it, you know, Elvis Presley, but it's an older audience icon. So of course what they're gonna do is open it up to the older audience, hope that it's the word of mouth is good and that it reaches the younger audience that social media sends people in and to see something that is so unusual that you can't see it anywhere else, which is true. It is. It is and it's unusual and dazzling anywhere you know? else because it's only it's gorgeous, but it's a it's a lot it, in word of mouth. I don't know how word of mouth outside of that ridiculous Palais standing ovation, how how much stamina people have for that. I mean, like you say, it's like maybe some people settle in for that first hour and how bonkers it is, but it really pushes you. And I think that's kind of the challenge. You know, it's like if you're going to make people go to the movie theater, spend a good amount of money to do it, especially in this day and age, it has to really feel like it's worth the full. It's an event. Journey. I think Elvis is an event. Um, I mean, I'm not opposed to Elvis because I learned from event. it. I learned things about what went on with him and and Colonel Tom Parker, especially in Las Vegas. The whole story, the whole arc about about why he kept working in Vegas and never went on an international tour. That's worth finding out about. You know what? One thing I, I keep thinking about is is how underappreciated Love and Mercy was. Another movie about a musician who was exploited by somebody else who was basically. I love that movie. That was a good it. movie. And yeah, I mean, it was probably the best thing Paul Dano did as an actor. He should have been nominated for best actor on that movie. But that's a it's a it's a sort of that quieter. Was that was melancholic, way, way more dark. Yeah, right. And then the this Beach one's Boys. Entertaining. Even in the in the, you know, expected third act decline with drugs and everything that you, you know, you already think, you know, the Elvis story. Lerman didn't he fall for those traps. In, uh, he kept Star it entertaining. Born. He really did. I wasn't that entertained. I was tired, but uh, you know, it was canned. So maybe it's I need long. to buy a it's ticket and see it again. But it's not. I don't want to sound like the more conservative viewer. I want to celebrate something that's edgy and experimental, getting into theaters and getting people to see it. And obviously, the box office is sending a lot of ups and downs in terms of its messaging these days because Top Gun continues to do well, but nobody really went to Lightyear. It really underperformed. And right, I'm sure so that let's was... go into all the reasons, even if I haven't seen Lightyear, which is a, but I, can, but I went you, out of town you know, and I, I missed and I, can, I can help you through that one. But I mean, no, let's talk about it because if you look at the reviews and you look at uh, the performance that Pixar has had historically, this is the thing. No other label, I would argue, in the history of Hollywood has had such a consistent consistent level of performance. The worst movie they ever made was the sequel to Cars, 
Okay, that was an obvious bait for uh, a populist audience, and it didn't play as well as as everything else. It gets up on there in the 90s and the 80s and 90s in its reviews. This one is much lower, got much worse reviews. And the question seems to be, and I want to know what you think about this. It wasn't about the toy. It no, was it's about not about the, the toy. I, th I think there was definitely brand confusion there that the opening title it's basically playing off of toy story and saying you know andy saw this movie in 95 this is that movie and so it doesn't have to be the same character because it's the movie he saw unfortunately it feels very much like a 2022 movie so you have to like pretend that andy is in some alternate universe <laughs> or this is a 1995 movie. pixar universe yeah, i mean first of all it's it's got you know uh, a supporting character who's gay and i doubt any studio head in conservative 90s america would have greenlit that there i do feel like some, it should have yeah there are some arguments that that is actually impacting the box office that's that bs i don't buy that i feel like sized by florida i don't nonsense think so. forget it that that news cycle has not been loud enough and people are not that i just don't exactly i don't think people are honestly that much in the know I wish it had gone farther. Why not make Buzz himself a gay guy? He's just sort of this like strangely non-sexual being. And yet people are also complaining that Chris Evans isn't Tim Allen or something. No, he's not because he's not the same character. Right. And honestly, I will say the first act of the movie, it's got an up like premise where Buzz is trying to escape a planet where people are marooned on. And every time he goes out and he tries to reach light speed, he travels forward in time. So he ends up, there's a, group of people who are marooned on this planet and he ends up advancing forward in time so that he's still the same age, but the people he knew when he first arrived on the planet eventually are no longer there. And it's like the next generation and he befriends someone's daughter and he's sort of lost in time in a way. And I like that premise quite a bit in the sense that it, it, it kind of cr cr sort of isolated the character in a very interesting emotional way. And then it becomes kind of a bland sci-fi adventure story. Like they're trying to do, you know, a family Robinson type of a plot line. It's just not as interesting, except you, for the buddy he has. Let me just say this. He has a buddy named Socks. He's a cat, a robot cat. And the cat steals the show. You're a cat, cat person. You have a good cat. You have a You'd good appreciate cat. It. But, but here's here's my question. Um, is is there actually reason to feel that this is lesser Pixar? I think, well, yeah, I mean, but it's, you know, what it's a sliding scale. They I have mean, a high standard of, of yeah. performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, it, it feels like a Pixar movie up to a point, but I do think it's like a good dinosaur or something like that, where you can appreciate certain things about it in terms of how the emotion eventually comes across, but it, it fizzles after a while. And so if people don't come out of that being super thrilled and the word of mouth is confusing because it isn't Tim Allen's character going on an adventure. I yeah. do think all of those things. And look, like you say with Elvis, word of mouth, quality, these things still matter. It's not just about how much marketing can kind of get something okay. visible. So, so word of mouth is what's helping Top Gun. I've never, this is a very, right. very, Everybody very loves unusual that thing. So it's building and building and the audience is growing and growing and growing so that they're getting all the quadrants in to see this sort of must see movie. And so this weekend, we don't, you know, the, the Lightyear didn't do as well as they expected. And the other reason why it may not have, and this argument I do think has merit, Unfortunately, Disney created their own monster by creating an audience at home for this kind of movie, for creating the expectation that you can see your animated family films. And it's expensive to take a whole family to the movies.
It Why is. not wait to see the whole thing on at home uh, in high quality HD? Why not? Yeah, well, the irony is that this would have been the Disney Plus movie. Turning Red was the theatrical movie. Because that I is love turning red. That's my favorite that, favorite animated. Super film innovative, here. right? It's, it's got yeah. a, a great representational yeah. win. No, they should have put all of them, Encanto and all of them. They should have put on this. It makes me crazy. It made me crazy when they made those decisions. They 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 have done themselves harm, and they've done the theaters harm by not making that continuum uh, a thing that you would expect to see a big, big robust Pixar movie at the theater and now that yeah, and, expectation is gone yeah i mean and disney I, disney just sends constant mixed messages about how much it cares well it's hard to change itself. habits and when you do change them it's hard to change them back again yeah it's i mean i i don't say it's like unfor i want people to go see movies because i think it has a trickle down effect and there's lots of really good art house films out as well and we could certainly talk about what we've been seeing in that respect but it's it's like if you're not even going to put the effort into getting these getting the right kinds of movies out there in the right kind of way, then why even bother? So well, what I is there to go that. see in theaters right now? I mean, I did see Brian and Charles <laughs> and I would say that's a very small niche. People who love British twee uh, uh, conceits. And it's also a very pandemic movie. There's, I have to say, I've been seeing a lot of pandemic movies where you see a lot of people in big airy rooms uh, in, in, with very oh, few people in the frame. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. You know, Which like that. I Grand. did love that movie. That one yeah. I recommend. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I mean, I really love this film that Neon is releasing this week called Beba which premiered in Toronto last fall. I don't know if you remember it from then. It was one of the, one of the docs at Toronto, but it's really, it's like this first person story by the, this director, Rebecca Hunt, where she talks about her life as a biracial woman and how she dealt with a fallout with her family, uh, various relationship problems that she's had. It's reminded me almost of like Tarnation or something. It's that kind mm -hmm. of like radical first person storytelling as a film. I haven't seen it in a while. And I thought it was great that Neon picked it up. This is a filmmaker who lives in Mexico. I think she aligns herself with Carlos Regatas. So she's a real sort yeah. of like rising star. Um, and I hope that people go see it. If you go to Beba.film, which is a great link that they seem to have created for it, you could see where it's playing. And I think it's going to have an interesting life before eventually it goes to VOD. It's not the kind of thing that's going to have, you know, massive theatrical success, but I don't know if it necessarily needs to in order to be successful. I mean, you see, it was not an expensive undertaking either. No, that's true. Yeah. It's always about what you put in versus what you get back. Uh, I really, on, a, on the low budget documentary side, I liked a movie called Bitter Brush, which played at mm. Telluride. And awesome. uh, basically this filmmaker found, who was living in, 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 you know, way out in the country, found um, these, these cowgirls basically professional wranglers you know cattle wranglers and and they and they really uh uh she she followed them into the mountains very difficult to to do very difficult to shoot and learned a lot you know we're so used to seeing this male bonding that occurs well this was female bonding yeah i, really I quite like that movie and it was cool when it premiered last fall because it was sort of in in the shadow of power of the dog but i thought also a really interesting contrast in a way because it's like that was a movie about Western masculinity. And this is what happens when you take it out. You, you kind know, of entirely. subvert expectations in a way that I found really moving. Um, it, it, because people do bond when they work together. Uh, it's a different thing with yeah. women than men.
but yeah, it's, no, it's, it's a beautiful beautiful film i hope people check it out yeah yeah so there there are good movies making the rounds that you just have to know where to look but i'm watching I mean, tv man i'm watching tv the, the best thing i've seen right. recently is the old man jeff bridges john lithgow incredible uh veteran actors working at in their prime really in their 70s and uh and john watts directed the first two the guy who did cop car and went on to to the marvel universe he's really a good director and uh, it's a well-directed I, show I, really I enjoyed good. it to a point I, it didn't it has yet to really well surprise. we've only seen two episodes yeah it's, so I, i'm curious to see where where it kind of goes well, i mean other directors take over at this point so i'm a, i'm bracing myself for yeah and narratively it's a little i mean I, I i have not seen anything i haven't seen before you know it's it's just very elegantly done he's a great character he's uh, you don't totally know everything about bridges character's background and he seems you know like he's, he's dangerous bad, the bad guy probably but you're also kind of rooting for him and it, it's certainly a great he's role getting involved with a woman amy brenneman and and we we need to worry about her now <laughs> right no there's a great moment where you think he's almost gone like into breaking bad mode where you're like this guy's totally irredeemable and then it's not quite that extreme it's more of like he's a, probably a irredeemable the question is what does he do now um so we're gonna see thor next week very excited about that yeah another um, one that hopefully will will save the box office i mean the indeed. buzz is good and all that stuff and taika is a rock star so we got fingers crossed from that i can tell you a bit about beavis and butthead do the universe if you'd like to know about another movie that is coming out straight to vod i mean one thing i will say about this is um it felt to me like a complete continuity from the nineties. And like Mike judge seemed like he was just very happy to be revisiting those characters, but also they're doing a new series. So if you get Paramount plus and you watch this thing, it's sort of like setting up the foundation for that new series. And I just thought it was kind of fascinating. It's like, that's what filmmaking can be also in the streaming era is let's make a movie just so that we can get this other ongoing product going. So I guess Beavis and Butthead was never really your jam, Ryan. No, but I have to, I have to, no, they're fine. <laughs> you know, I'm not, yeah, not going to go out of my way. The, the point is there's so much competition for, I mean, I still have to catch up with Dark Winds and Irma Vep and, you know, Severance. I mean, there's just too much. I finished Obi-Wan Kenobi, which by the way, ended up becoming um, uh, challenged by its limited production values, which I found surprising. I would figure mm -hmm. that Star Wars would have all the money in the world to devote to this and they didn't it looked like an, an, a bad episode of, of of star trek some of the time um well, but anyway it was that, there is some power other, left yeah. in the star I mean, wars I, it, it is sort of baffling to me like that these shows are not constantly raising the bar the way that Mandalorian no that's the thing it, i would argue that the old man shows you real cinema values yeah, make it good you know, make it it's not make to it say it's not gorgeous. hard to make it good but like yeah, get some great yeah, directors yeah. let your cast go wild with the material i know and, and, and I, they're stuff. they're in, they're stuck in some cave you know yeah. with, with extras I, I was annoyed by i was annoyed by that but um onward uh there's plenty to watch there's there no, there's it may we not should, be we should not, there's some some news that broke what when we first started recording that i see here about netflix layoffs so yeah, netflix was actually laid that. off so 300 people 300 yeah, no. people have been laid off from netflix which is really frustrating but you know in light of everything that we're talking about i'm really you know, sorry it's 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 tough to hear about these sorts of things because we want everyone to figure out how to keep this industry going whether they're 
you know, rooting for the streaming side or the theatrical yeah, side. At the but... same time, they're sending a message that they're still spending like drunken sailors. You know, they're 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 trying to. It's a double message. They want Hollywood to know that they're still going to spend money on content while they lay off their own staff because yeah. they've reached the limits of growth that are there for them. That's that's the thing. And the I saw another story today about how whatever advertising they're planning to add to the site, some lower tier, it 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 may end up raiding their own subscribers and bringing them over to the lower cost side, which doesn't really get them where they need to go. Um, it's if they such have an un unpredictable moment. I mean, I never, I, I feel like I enter into consumer mode sometimes like on the weekend or at the end of the day or something where I'm like, where do I start? And I usually do still start with Netflix. I start with Netflix, but and I also it, go to Hulu. Where do you go? You go and to Hulu, I go right? to HBO Max and Disney Plus. I right. do. So you sort of like and last around night I... in that quartet. <laughs> Last night I watched Neptune Frost, which is a really good. Uh, now that's not on any of those platforms. It's right out now. in the theaters still. It's a, it's in theaters and it's incredible. You've never seen anything like it. It's a, it's a very dark. Imagine what was the name of that Carrie Fukunaga movie, Beasts with Idris Elba. Beasts of No Nation. That's right. Imagine that as a musical. <laughs> In, well, in it's a dialect. It's a yeah. Total Afro. Yep. What is the term? Afrofuturism in a nutshell. I mean, it's a really beautiful piece of filmmaking that's using like music and art. It was delirious. It was as if, it, if everybody was on acid or something. It was gorgeous. And, and that's beautiful. one of the few films last year that actually really benefited from a full festival circle circuit. I mean, it started at Cannes Directors Fortnight. And then it went on to play fall festivals like New York and TIFF. And then it was at Sundance. So it really has been embraced. And hopefully uh, Saul Williams and his co-director, Anicia, um, continue to do stuff like this. It sounds like that was a really hard film to make, but it's, it's no, one of those it was cool beautiful. You've so. never seen anything like it before, but uh, you know, that's a Kino Lorber title, so it'll be available online. But, but the other <laughs> from the, from the sublime to the ridiculous, I then went to Paramount plus to see Jerry and Marge go large with, with Annette Benning and Brian Cranston. And it's directed by David Frankel and it's actually entertaining i mean terrible movie awful movie hugely entertaining and i watched it and there you are i would say so the same thing me. about beavis and butthead except so it actually me. has real social commentary <laughs> to it so maybe you should check that one out too and, and we can get your response well next week we will have a lot of other stuff to talk about because as we said thor will be making the rounds and we're inching closer to uh the uh the fall season and, and fourth of july is right around the corner so we're kind of at that midpoint of summer and there's going to be a lot of new things to talk about as as we get closer to uh you know the beginning of award season and all that so i will see you then Anne, and i hope you get a chance to uh rest up over the weekend you too Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.